Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Ayers on the Road. Richard and Linda Ayer here, happy to be with you for a half an hour. And I have the privilege today of introducing a Mother's Day theme and in my opinion, the best mother on the planet, Linda Iyer. <laughs> oh, wow. It is it's just past Mother's Day. But um, it just happens that we're reviewing books during this series a bit. And uh, quite a bit, actually. And we just happened to come to a book that I did with our daughter, Shawnee. It is, we have had such a fun time with books. Um, I say that now because after I finish every one, I think I am never doing that again. <laughs> never. I'm never going to write another book. You've never thought that in your whole life. <laughs> I am always going to write another book. But it's it's kind of a pain at the end. It's, the writing is fun, but the editing and the, all that stuff, I don't love. And you love the editing. Thank so you so I much. I think it's one it. of the most beautiful books you've ever done, Linda. And you did it with our daughter, Shawnee. And it's called A Mother's Book of Secrets. And we thought that, hey, what better theme to have the, the, the week after Mother's Day? What better theme? And why, you may say, why didn't you do it during Mother's Day or before Mother's Day? I, here's how I feel. I think that Mother's Day gets celebrated, and then there's this little lull. It's like, okay, we're done with that. We don't have to have another Mother's Day for another year. And what I think is that Mother's Day should launch a longer term celebration of mothers and how important the role is and how all of us are dependent on it. Well, especially right now. <clears throat> yeah, especially I mean, right now. During this pandemic absolutely have become everything. We thought we were everything, chauffeurs and you know, cooks and all that stuff. Now we've become everything. Teachers and um, mentors <laughs> and helpers and um, mental health carers and <laughs> the, really the thing that used to so be your different. your domain is now everyone's domain. Everyone's in the house, and uh, it's a crazy time for mothers. Do you think most mothers are enjoying <laughs> this pandemic, or do you think they're like, oh, please? Please get everyone out of here. Please go back to normal. <laughs> yeah, it really is pretty amazing. Um, we've kind of quit getting really funny things because this pandemic's becoming more and more serious as we it's get not, deeper and deeper into it. It was never funny, but, but people tried to make it funny. Yeah, for well, a there's while. some funny things about it, that's for sure. And um, <clears throat> I think mothers have really taken the brunt of, of what's going on in this crazy pandemic. In fact, you know, I, I think that the best thing, the best thing that's come out of all this is that I have never seen the word family happen so often Family on and home. It's like every home other word is home or family. Home and family. And lots more about mothers. We're just so conscious of, of the home now. We're just so conscious of the family because of the way we're thrown together and the kids are home from school. And it's just, it is... I mean, you think that's good or bad? I guess it can't be bad to be more focused than ever on family. Well, I'm sure there's. It's for us who can function and who have some advantages because we have a car that we can drive around in, at least, and so on. 
it's better but for you know how much more uh, domestic abuse and really terrible things are happening in homes too would well and families that live in crowded situations and really can't isolate and and who have you know to just hunker down and hope for the best and lose their jobs it is a very very hard time we have a daughter who is working she's kind of running americorps in utah and she deals with uh, children in schools all over utah who are um, underprivileged for the most part and who have have to have special care and help and she said you know as far as education goes in in Utah at least it's been great it's been an advantage a lot of people have learned that they can homeschool they can do things they those who are reasonably so affluent and so on and who have a home they can do it right in. But, but those who so do many, not she oh. said those kids are behind anyway and now they're just falling farther and farther behind and the Healthcare workers are trying their very best, but it's really going to take. Well, a toll. in fact, her perspective is so interesting because basically she's saying, you know, I understand we need to flatten the curve because we need to keep hospitals from getting overrun and and using up all the ventilators and so on. But boy, we have to contrast that against destroying our economy and destroying our education system in the sense that the gap between privileged, affluent kids and those who don't have anything, the education gap, the learning gap is just widening and widening. And so there's a lot to think about. But back on the positive note of mothering and motherhood, Linda, I think that um, I just want to say one or two things. Then I want to ask you some questions about motherhood and, and about your book, A Mother's Book of Secrets. But I just was thinking the other day we had a we had church in our home with one of our daughter's families and I was giving a little message on Mother's Day and I re I remembered one time we were speaking at a big gathering and it was a, a conference where we were privileged to be one of the speakers and one of the other speakers was Desmond Tutu the Bishop of South Africa a remarkable man someone that's famous on, uh, across the world for various reasons, but he did an interesting thing. He stood up and instead of giving a speech, he just said, I'm here to answer your questions. I'll answer any question you have. And one of the questions I remember, someone said, because he's a national figure and he, he was considered for the Nobel Peace Prize and he helped Nelson Mandela end apartheid in South Africa and so on. And someone said, when are we going to end war? When are we going to advance far enough as a human race that we don't kill each other anymore and we have peace on earth? When is peace on earth going to come? And without a moment's hesitation, he said, we'll have peace on earth and we'll end war when more of our countries are led by women. He said, women will not send their children to war. That's how we'll have peace in the world. And I've, I've reflected a lot about that and thought how, what a great direct answer that was. And in a way, a tribute to mothers in, in the sense that he was saying, when you are a mother, when you have gone through a pregnancy and brought a child into the world and bonded with that child and nursed that child and, and nurtured that child, you develop an emotional IQ that is frankly much higher than that that most men have. 
And I think women and mothers need to be honored, not just on Mother's Day, but throughout the year. Well, just because you said that, last night on TV I saw that the Prime Minister of New Zealand is a woman, and they just eradicated coronavirus in New Zealand. So it's probably her fault completely. Well, I think there are some 30-some-odd <laughs> countries now that are led by women. So maybe Desmond Tutu's hope and prediction is and coming true. closer, yeah. But back to this theme of mothers, Linda. So give us a little background. You and Shawnee, our second daughter. We had done empty nest parenting with our oldest daughter, which we just reviewed a couple of um, weeks ago. And uh, now we uh, decided, Shawnee and I, Shawnee is a fabulous photographer. She also has a beautiful blog that she's been doing for years and widely followed. And and we thought, well, let's, and it was, the blog was about motherhood, so I, we just thought, let's do a book so that we can use both those things, the photography and your knowledge as a mother. And so we can have your one million followers on your blog <laughs> buy the book. <laughs> that didn't enter our mind. Her, but. her blog, by the way, is still going strong. It gets better every year. And and uh, it's called, I'm just going to tell you the name. A lot of you follow it, I know, because she has so many followers. But it's called 71toes.com. 7-1, the numeral 7, the numeral 1. And the one. reason for that is that they their fifth child was born with an extra toe. So um, that was just logical that you would name it toes. 71 toes. <laughs> what else? How many toes they have in their family. As it turned out, that extra toe uh, was a result of this child being born with a syndrome called the Bardet-Biedel syndrome. And uh, I was reading through this book this morning, looking through, and... And realizing how what's happened since this book is written, it's absolutely incredible the things that have happened. I mean, look, this is Lucy. We're looking at yeah, this, this picture of Lucy, Lucy when she was three years old, who's now thirteen and just underwent surgery to correct her 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 spondylolysis. Spine, her spon her spondylolysis. But yeah. she had a sixty-degree curve in her back. And it kind of runs in the family, so it wasn't necessarily due to the, the syndrome. But, wow, it's been major surgery just last week. I can't believe what can happen in 10 years. And she's doing so well. And I, as I look at the table of contents, a mother's book of secrets. First question, Linda. I'm just going to be the interviewer here today. But why did you decide to call it a mother's book of secrets? What's the what's the significance of the word secret? Oh, I think we saw a movie or something that had secrets in it. And we thought, you know, that's what people want is they want some secrets, um, <laughs> especially mothers, because, gosh, it takes a lot of secrets to raise a child. But did you really feel that they were secrets in the sense that most people hadn't discovered them yet? Or, or were you writing it for moms who were getting started and who wanted to drive? I mean, you'd by that time been a mother for... 40 years, and and Shawnee had her five little children still in the house, so was it sort of the the experienced mother and the in-the-trenches mother coming together and saying, what are the things that really, that really work? Well, of course there was some of that, and it was so fun to do. Um, we actually did a couple of years with Time Out for Women with this book because you have to publish with Desiree book to do that and those of you who may be listening may not know even know what that is but it's just 
um, a conference um, of women that goes all over the United States and just talks about a variety of things. But we had so much fun and met so many interesting people with this. But it really is a t was a time for us to really think about what we're doing. I, I think I always do books for me more than I do for the yeah, audience. Yeah, more depending on where you are in your life um, and what you're doing. Yeah, I just I needed <clears throat> to think about this, and Shawnee needed to think about it. And this photography in here is beautiful. You know, the photography is more than I was just looking through it today, and it's it's really part of the book because pictures. You know, the old well, the old cliche of, of pictures worth a thousand words, but the pictures of mothers with their children and you see in the mother's face the message I mean you see the love the concern the empathy the sacrifice you see it in the face of these mothers and I think it is in in that sense I think it's not only a book of advice for mothers it's a it's a tribute to mothers well it is but it's also a confession that it's the hardest job you'll ever have yeah yeah <laughs> it really uh, as i even as i look through these pictures now i just they're, they're beautiful moments but there are other moments that we don't yeah show. well there are a few where you do show the the tough moments they're they're some of my favorite pictures yeah of the book. yeah that's right but, there's one of lucy just absolutely <laughs> scrunch it all but, up she is so angry but let me ask you this i want to draw you out on this on this book you you had you and Shani divided it into four, five parts. Let me just go through those five and have you just in one sentence tell why you why that's one of the parts of the book. Part one, look for light in the trenches. What does that mean? Well, I just think when you have a lot of little kids at home, or even two little kids at home, or even one little kid, and it's your first experience or you're just getting experience it's like being in the trenches it really is we talked about that a lot Shawnee was really in the trenches when she wrote like this like you're in a war <laughs> it is kind of like that and you know her first um, little article in here is trenches don't last and I smiled at that when I looked at that this morning because she's really in a trench right now <laughs> Let's so, take let's take just a little break end. and we'll come right back. I want to go through these other four parts of the book and then get into some of the specific what are the secrets and why are they important. We'll be right back. Hang on. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back, Ayers on the Road, talking about mothers in this week after Mother's Day, and specifically about, I think, maybe the most beautiful book Linda's ever done, a mother's book of secrets. Linda, we talked about the first part is called Look for Light in the Trenches. The second part, there's five parts to this book, Having an Organized Offense. What, what does that mean? Um, I think that means you really have to think about it when your mother's... Boy, it's so easy to just get carried away with the tide you and think, just try to survive. I think a lot of mothers are on the defense all I think, the time? Uh, when I remember those days, and it, you do just have to try to survive. But it, So an offense is a plan rather than you're not, you're not right. reacting. You, you've got goals, you've got a plan. Right, and you have to see the big picture. One advantage I had is to be able to see the big picture. I mean, I thought I'd never walk by the diaper aisle 
in my whole life having nine kids yeah. uh, and baby every every other year. But it really is true that time progresses, and if you look at the big picture where you're going with these kids, it's really helpful. Well, but I, it is you have to have an offense. You have to decide where you want to go. And and that ties in, I guess, to part three, which is called analyze. Right. So there's just a whole <clears throat> section on analyzing um, what you're doing as a mother. Boy. And analyzing your own ch children, what their needs, what their personalities are, and right, so on. Right, right. And you get stuck in, in those trenches, and you can't see out unless you're, you sit down and have time to go away. I've always advocated a, for a day away, you know, for the mom to get away from the family. And Leave those be, kids with the dad and I get was, away for a day. <laughs> I used to be once a year. And then <laughs> when, we, when I started writing earlier, um, you were so kind to give me one day. A week, I, so you I used to come home I and take care of kids one day a week. I mean, how often can that happen? It really can't happen in most cases, but it was so amazing because it gave me time to really analyze. And analyze. Think about my life. So, so uh, the feeling you get is you just read the names of the parts, or that this is really a, it's a cerebral book. It's like a you're really trying to dissect what motherhood is and how to survive it and how to deal with it. Now, part four is really an intriguing name. What do you mean by it, Linda? Part four, kids are like puzzles. They are, aren't they? When you that little baby is delivered in your arms, you just have no idea how you're going to put that puzzle together because they come with it. Every child is who they come who they are. You cannot make it into something that it, this child into something that she or she is not. And it is such a puzzle to figure out how that works. So if you put together one puzzle on your first child, if you got it, you can just continue to use that puzzle for all the others? <laughs> Everyone is so different. And those of you who have been sitting in your homes doing puzzles, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, you just, where does this piece fit? How does this fit into this child's life? How can I help put this child together? And so that it becomes a beautiful picture. It really was fun to do this section and really analyze what's then, going on. Then the last section, part five, another intriguing one that needs an explanation, give ownership. What do you mean, give ownership? Boy, that's one of the most important things. In fact, this was our theme for a long time when we were speaking um, around the world. To give ownership to kids, um, to teach them how to be responsible for their own goals, their own arguments, their own work, choices, their own money, their own cleaning, and the big talk about sex, to have ownership of that. And it really was fun. These, these are just like two or three pages, each of these little They things, are all little, little small chapters, that's right. But so, in other words, give ownership, you're, you're meaning essentially give responsibility, but get the kids so they really feel like it's not your problem, it's their problem. Yeah, exactly. Or their, their, their challenge, or their, they, they take it as they own it. Yeah, and we've talked even about their, this. Even their fights. Yeah, we've talked about that so many times, the fact that we, I just got so exhausted because some kid was arguing with some other kid all the time, and then it, you know, blossomed and became a big fight, and I hate you and all that stuff. And, uh, we finally just decided that we were going to turn the ownership of their arguments over to them. So we got, a, as many of you have heard us say, we got a little bench when we lived in England for a while from a pew in a church. It was just big enough for two kids to sit on. And 
we set up the system in a family meeting and said, when you argue, you are going straight to that bench. You're going to sit there together and you're going to have ownership of you're your You're going to own arguments. your own argument. We don't want it. You figure out what you did wrong and then you can tell us and then you sit and apologize to each other for uh, what works. And, you know, at that time we did that, it was for relief for me. Yeah. <laughs> or you. I mean, you were there some of the time, too. But. but that illustrates the larger theme there, I think, of ownership. And like you said, Linda, there's there's like eight little chapters in each of these five parts. So there's about 40 small chapters, a couple pages each, framed as secrets. Like, like if you get this, if you get this secret, it will unlock some things in your family, basically. Right. And I'm just going to pick out... A few of the ones that have the most interesting names and have you explain what you meant by these. Um, uh, I like this one in in the first section, being in the trencher, trenches. Wits end. What do you mean when you're at your wits end? <laughs> Boy. <coughs> what do you um, do? I what do you do? <laughs> tearing out my hair so many times because... You think you've just done everything you can possibly do and then something else happens and you just snap. And I, I, think, I think you have to realize that sometimes moms are just not always the durable object you would like to be. And, and you do kind of lose control. I mean, I there's, it's more than just that in this chapter, but it really is interesting that you do have to learn how to deal with those things and to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, um, this happened and this happened and then this happened and then I am so sorry but I just lost it and I've found that what kids happens to kids is when they lose it, I found little notes on my pillow at night saying, I'm sorry mom, yeah. this happened and this happened and this happened. Well in part two, about having an organized offense, and this sort of gets I think to the theme, the analytical theme of the book, you've got a chapter on having a five facet review. What do you mean by that? Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. I think you know what I mean by that. I guess we did that. What does that mean month. though Once for listeners? Um, we had a date. It was usually the first Friday of the month and we went out to dinner and just you and I talked about our kids and their five facets. What are the five facets? And uh, so we talked about them physically. How are you doing? How is this ch little child doing physically, socially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually? We just went through each one. We had a little notebook. I, I had you take a notebook and take notes on what our kids needed because we, I mean, you know, there's always some child that has, and, and you listeners may think, wait a minute, you had nine kids and there are five facets for each one and you got through that. Well, usually you just go through and say, fine, fine, oops, this child is having a lot of social problems right now. Let's talk about this. What can we do? How can we help? Okay, that's really, really insightful. What about in part three on analyzing? I'm curious about this chapter. Be your own kind of best mom. What does that mean? Well, Shani and I realize that everybody is different as a mother because everybody had a different mother to start out with, and that is part of the, uh, part of the mix. But I think there's just... Uh, these these poor moms were seeing, per, and I have to admit I'm one of them, seeing these kids come to church perfectly groomed with all their hair curled and 
I was just dying on a lot of days when the only shoes they could find was moon boots in the middle of the summer and <laughs> it was really really tough and I think that we have to realize that we have to be our own kind of mother we can't so you care can't, ourselves. You can't, you can't model your mothering on someone else's because they're not you and their children are not your children. Right, exactly. Okay, so finding that individuality. You've also got a curious chapter in that section called Number One. What does that mean, Number One? Does that mean that you need to take care of yourself, or does that mean that your husband is number one? I think what does that mean? I think there's some of Multiple of that. meanings? Um, multiple meanings. You have to realize that you do have to take care of yourself, though. I mean, it's hard to think about yourself as number one when you're dealing with children because they're so needy. You tend to so think needy. you tend to not do anything for yourself because you don't have time. That's I think right. that's a problem with a lot of moms is they take care of everyone but themselves. Yeah, of course. And um, you know, I there are a lot of moms that can take baths. <laughs> <laughs> that I would have, be a good one. I have to admit. <clears throat> I mean, one of the things you always talked about was you know. A Calgon bath, you know, just have a Calgon bath because you love baths. <laughs> I can't take baths. In fact, we have lived in this house now for 13 years and I just got in our bath done for the first time. Don't worry, you I, have, admit I have been showered. I have, I have showered. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is hard for me to get into a tub of water and just sit there. And I think sometimes you well, really we've got a couple do. of daughters, and one of them helped you write this book. They <laughs> yeah. they do pretty good on baths. They have the candles and the bath salts. Yeah, we call They her. lock the door, and they, they take care of themselves. We called her the other day, and she's living in London. This is our youngest daughter, Charity, and she's uh, pregnant with... She has two uh, really rambunctious little boys who are three and two, and she just found out that she's having twins. So we called and she said, I'm sorry, I don't want to be on Facebook because I'm in the tub. I have a bath bomb in here with me and I have candles <laughs> and I am just taking care and of myself. The door's locked. And I, I'm, kudos to you, Charity. That's and great. kudos to her, her husband, Ian, who was out with the kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you've also, and this is in part four, Kids Are Like Puzzles. There's an intriguing chapter that is, um, that is called... Um, stages and I've heard so often when when you know our daughters are asking you for when they're at their wits end and they're frustrated and I've heard you so often say it's a stage they'll yeah. pass through it oh it is so true you think this stage will never pass and for a while I thought you know having kids at home would never pass that's but a big it is stage. amazing <laughs> it's a big one yeah that's a big picture stage but but it, kids do drive you crazy. I mean, you have a kid who's a whiner. Oh my gosh! And you think it's per you think the the, the 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 terrible twos are permanent, and the kids are never going to change. And sometimes you just got to wait a, a year. You In know? fact, you know, Shawnee, who wrote this book with me, is was our biggest whiner. Oh my gosh, she was whining about <laughs> something every day. She just thought she had cancer every day for one thing. I'm just like, Mom, look at my eyelash. It's so weird. I think I have cancer of the eyelash or cancer of the elbow or whatever it was. And finally, just, oh, Shawnee, Shawnee, stop. You are going to be okay. I mean, those, and that is so laughable to me now because this, this woman has been through so much with her children. And um, they've all gone through those stages too, but they do pass through. I mean, there's some lingering things that are part of their personality, but they do pass through those hard stages. You've got another chapter.
chapter in that in that section called roots. What what do you mean? Why is that an important part of mothering? Roots. Oh wow, yeah, I, I love, and it's become more and more important to me as a, a older mother, teaching our children about where they came from and about their ancestors. I just found a little history of my mother, an autobiography of Hazel Jacobson, it was called, and it was on Family Search. And somebody had downloaded it, bless them, and it's just four pages of her whole life. And it's so funny. The first half is um, all about how she struggled so much as a young mother, and it's just she's such a great writer. And then she gets to, okay, so I was three, and my sister was two, and then all of a sudden, and now they're in college. And um, it really... <clears throat> It's so fun. I send it to my kids for Mother's Day. Because and why, do, why does that matter to kids if they know about their ancestors? Their roots are part of them. They have to know about the ancestors in order to realize who they really are. Does it and make them resilient? It makes them resilient. It <laughs> makes them uh, become who they can really be because these people were magnificent Identity, people. I guess. It gives yeah. them identity. And it's, it's in their blood. It's part, they, their ancestors are part of them. I'd like to go on and on, Linda. This is fabulous. Way to go. A Mother's Book of Secrets. And to all you mothers out there, remember, you are the most important person in the world. You are. Good luck. And we'll talk again next week on Hires on the Road. Bye-bye.